Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. It's one of the most memorable wins in professional wrestling history. Today we're covering No Way Out 2004 on Something to Wrestle After. Stay tuned. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz Hello, everybody, and welcome to Something to Wrestle After. My name is Christy Olsen, and this is a show for all you fans who love Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard to come and hang out after you've listened to their show. We cover all the juicy reveals, all the fan reactions, let you guys know what you think, and uh, basically we just have a ton of fun. And by we, I mean myself and these gentlemen sitting right here at the table with me. Glad to have you back, Mr. Flobo Boyce, comedian and host of the Raw After Show. That's true, but I got to be. Bees, man. I love it. <laughs> right. Have you been practicing that for days? I've been trying it for a day or two. Yeah. It was good. It was <laughs> good. Well, let's see what this guy has to say. I call him the encyclopedia of professional wrestling. You know him as George Hermosa. That's me. Hello, everyone. I'm, I'm, thank you for having me here, too. You're very welcome. Oh, yeah, you, we haven't had you on this panel Not before. On this one. Welcome, welcome. And I'm excited, as you can tell by my voice. Yeah, but I think <laughs> the uh, the AfterBuzz TV fans out there are quite familiar with you, and we do appreciate all of you guys tuning in with us live. We are live at 7 p.m. Eastern on Sunday nights. A ton of you are rolling already in the chat, and I just have to um, repeat this sentiment from AJ0314, who pointed out that this is a podcast about a podcast about a pay-per-view during a pay-per-view. That's right, WWE Elimination Chamber. I think is going down right about now so I'm sure you guys are watching but we appreciate you tuning in to us as well make sure you hit that thumbs up button and subscribe we're on Apple Podcasts too and uh, leave us a comment we will always shout you out hey 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 Hey. Hey. I like that I like that well if uh, they're interested in knowing about all the programming we've got going down here at AfterBuzz TV Flobo we got a little message for our fans is that right hey guys before we move on to our first topic I just wanted to say thank you for making us the ESPN of TV talk but for us to continue we could use your help if you're on YouTube right now hit that thumbs up button and subscribe and if you're on iTunes please give us a five star rating but no matter where you are leave us a comment so you can get involved in that conversation Five stars, five stars, five stars, five stars, five stars. Yes. <laughs> Being a part of AfterBuzz TV has meant so much for all of us, and we truly appreciate you supporting us and doing what we love. So don't forget to tell all your friends and some of your haters and keep enjoying <laughs> our shows. I love that. I love that. You know, we cover uh, 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff as well. We're on his channel, and we always have him calling in, and you never know who we're going to get to be calling in and offering their insight on this little show, too. And on that note, let's jump right into it. As per usual, we got all the lead-up stuff to this big pay-per-view featuring, as I said before, one of the most memorable wins in professional wrestling history. We are, of course, talking about Eddie Guerrero going home with the championship that night. Did you guys, were you really excited to hear about No Way Out and kind of get the real behind-the-scenes scoop from Bruce Pritchard himself on this one? Absolutely. This was one of those shows where I was like, I can't wait till they cover this show uh, like 15 years pretty much to the day 
uh, kind of fell on the day. So yeah, I, I couldn't wait for them to cover the show. Yeah, I, I enjoyed the pay per view as a as a kid or younger. I wasn't a kid, but as much <laughs> younger, it was it was okay enough. But seeing it with a context now, you're watching the show. It was magic that night for sure. It was, it was, and there's a lot going on behind the scenes leading up to it. Of course, the um, what stood out to me at the beginning of this episode was all this talk about OVW because we hear so much, and I've heard on some other podcasts a lot about the end of OVW. But this is sort of the beginning. This is Bruce telling us this is how it happened. Have you guys heard this story before? Specifically? I, Cornette's idea? About which one? About OVW? I, I, I'm sure it was Cornette's idea. I mean, I didn't know it was specifically him, but I know he had a lot to do with OVW back then. He was really good friends with Nightmare Danny Davis back in the right. day. Um, so they both had a big, big part in the development. And I heard, I heard Jim Cornette wasn't really big on, like, like he liked being the WWE, but like he only before before that it was Smoky Mountain Wrestling mm-hmm. that he ran. So I, I heard he kind of liked this kind of vibe and being part of the developing of, of talent. Yeah, the background was totally helpful for me understanding how Danny Davis was related into the, the founding of OBW and what it meant to the WWE for them. Right? Yeah, to eat this point, yeah. Yeah, well, this gave some of the guys that were just sitting at home not doing a whole lot a place to go. And that makes me think of the WWE Performance Center now. We'd see a lot of the main roster guys who were injured pop in or who needed to get back into the ring hanging out. There was this story that Conrad really pressed on about Tommy Dreamer being forced to work without his shirt on and that this was supposed to be some kind of like punishment or humiliation to him to kick kick him in the butt and get him to lose some weight or something. Conrad really wanted this to be juicy, as I always do, but it just wasn't. Yeah, I mean... they mentioned it. I mean, Tommy wrestled in a shirt for a very, very long time, despite <laughs> the fact he was Dreamer, as uh, Bruce mentioned. But I could imagine if that were true, that would be like scandalous for like two days. Yeah, <laughs> I don't even think that's big of a deal. Like, like even it's not like getting a stink face with a jelly donut. You know, we all heard that story. Like that. I mean, compared to that, like working with a shirt off is like nothing. Yeah. And being forced to train with the women. <gasps> oh no! Oh, God forbid. But again, maybe the women were different back then. Maybe it's like much different. Yeah. 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 They actually touched upon that, but they wanted more models and people who are fitness models and not necessarily athletes in that regard, right? Yeah, we get this great story about yeah. Bobby and Latasha, right. two uh, Playboy models, shall we say, who sent their tapes in, which apparently at this time usually includes nudes. Yeah. Pritchard was very uh, open about that. He said, you know, we were looking for Playboy models. That's what these girls have done. That's what's in their portfolio. So that's what they sent us. Yeah. This was just hilarious kind of start to finish and reminds us that it was so different for women back in the day. It really was. It was. Especially, sure. like, now. Like, And it's funny, because they just had, like, a tryout. Mm-hmm. Uh, or did you see, like, the casting call? No. It, there was, like, a casting call at, like, Barney's Beanery in Burbank yesterday. What? Um, yeah, I don't know. Just all, I think they were, like, it's, like, more Buna Murray. Is that the? Oh, Buna Murray. Buna yeah. Murray, yeah. Who produces Total Diva. Yeah, so I'm kind of curious. I mean, I know I know some local wrestlers that did go out to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm kind of curious, like, the overall, like, what was there a, a more models? Like, was it essentially a casting call for, like, a, like a future season of Total Divas? Oh, because, no, no, no. I did read somewhere in a dirt sheet that they're doing something that is sort of, like, tough enough, but with all female talent. And that would make all of that what you just said make sense. Uh-huh. Ah, that does make sense, yeah. But the philosophy has changed. I mean, the idea of just sending in your, in your, so many news, Bruce, right? Uh, sending your news and being called for a meeting is totally mm-hmm. different to what's happening now with uh, showing up at Performance Center, seeing your skills and fitness first. And I totally like a better product, right? And just, just the idea that having those kind of photos out in the world now is seen as more of a negative thing. Uh-huh. Yeah, for sure. 
Family product. It's a family product. <laughs> it is a family product. And there was a couple of family guys there. We get some tidbits about Jack Tunney, Hulk Hogan, Chris H- Canyon, The Rock. And uh, let's focus a little bit on Jack Tunney. Is that yeah. someone who you guys really are interested in? Like, do you want to hear about Jack Tunney? Were you like, yeah, Conrad, ask him. Ask him what happened at the end. Yeah. Was he bitter? What happened? Not no? really. I would say Jack Tony was a blank slate for me. I mean, as a kid, he looked presidential. Yeah. He looked like he was yeah. on the company. But, like, uh, I was really upset when I found out he really wasn't the president of the WWF. You know, <laughs> he, he, was just a, he was just a figure. <laughs> I mean, it's not real. Like, yeah. I, I felt the same way. But to hear him, um, I know that they had to, Bruce is more on the WWE side of, of how he was let go or out, out ousted. Mm-hmm. Um, as someone who's worked at the day job, I kind of fell for the guy. I mean, like, you had this territory, you sided with the guy, you bring in someone who had different skills, but you can stay on, but you can still work with him and him taking his dignity out the door. But yeah. uh, it looked like he was bitter towards the end. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yes, and understandably so, as you pointed out. Someone who is not bitter in the least bit, I know this because I interviewed him a couple years ago, we had him on Sean's show, is Zach Gowan. Yes, this is this is a great guy, and we heard some kind of some sentiments from Bruce. Bruce agreed that he's a great guy, but you know he was just so young at this time in WWE, and that he was getting a lot of opportunities very quickly. And we know response to that can always be mixed. Was this would you interesting? I mean, it was just nothing new. Like you kind of heard about Zach going, Zach Allen not having the best reputation backstage back then, which is why he was essentially let go. I mean, essentially, if you guys remember, like his first program was with, with like Hulk Hogan and Roddy Piper. Yeah. Like you're so new in the business, you know, you, and your first thing you do is with Hogan and Piper, and it's like, yeah, I did, and he, I think he'll be the first to admit it too that he wasn't really mature enough back then to really, you know, know how to maybe treat well with others and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm sure he's a great guy now, but but he was the first to say. So, I just wasn't really that much new. Sure. I, I, I totally agree. It wasn't earth-shattering. But when I was younger and watching Zach Gowan, he kind of came and went. Yeah. And and putting in perspective now that they kept saying his age, like at 19, I didn't know what I wanted for dinner, right? And you're <laughs> right. touring weeks and weeks with some of the wrestling legends and, and people are saying, hey, do the trick that you do. Which that really is a trick, but, you know, you do have the prosthetic limb. So, it could weigh on someone. Mm-hmm. Being someone to go from zero to a hundred real quick and having to, to balance all that and people recognize you in airports and stuff and asking for autographs and, yeah. and he was very very young you know yeah and he's still been out there the last few years kind of trying to do his thing and he works with DDP yoga Bang. right if either of you guys ever tried DDP yoga no I've, have you I've tried no. it once I haven't it's, it's I think we probably I know should. Rosenberg has Oh, it's intense, you say? Yeah, I didn't do the YRG days when it first came out. The, oh, okay. the yoga for regular guys. Yes. Uh, it's it's effective, but I was like, oh, I'm not strong enough for this. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we can get some instruction from Zach at some point. That'd be awesome. But uh, what was going down at this time in WWE has a lot to do, and, and where No Way Out went, has a lot to do with Goldberg. And essentially this new deal that we've heard about before. And Bruce set some things straight on this, on the deal. And Goldberg didn't take it the way that it was supposed to be. They're offering him less days, which of course means less money, and he took exception to that. Not surprising. Not Not surprising either. Uh, Like, he's another guy that didn't really have the best reputation back then either. Yeah. I heard he, and I heard multiple people, he's a great guy, like, overall, but you put, like, the wrestling business around him, and he kind of tends a little be, to be a little, like, sour about it. I mean, I'm sure he's better now, but back then, like, and I I always kind of figure, like, he'd be gone after a year anyway, so maybe they just kind of, like they said, they offered him just maybe to be, be nice, knowing that he was going to be, he turned down anyways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they did. And to me, uh, it's, as a guy who was more in the WWE growing up, I'm from New York, so that the Federation was my local promotion. Seeing Goldberg come in 
as this force of nature and having him going out the next month at WrestleMania 20 in Madison Square Garden with such a whimper just felt like the total letdown. Mm-hmm. You, all your WWE friends would tell you, Goldberg's the man, bro. And towards it, it kind of felt that like he wasn't totally into it. Like he really was like looking for that next chapter for himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. He was, which uh, <laughs> turned out pretty well for some other guys. His absence left some room for some some newbies. And also, this piggybacks off of what we talked about last week. And they have to have a second Royal Rumble. This is a couple weeks before the No Way Out pay-per-view. They have a second Royal Rumble on SmackDown after Chris Benoit leaves the brand for Raw. Dun-dun-dun. What stood out to me in this talk was, the, was Bruce saying, like, oh, we had people who could work. On SmackDown then. Like, SmackDown was the wrestling show back then. And isn't it essentially kind of considered the wrestling show now? Still, I always thought I always thought of, of Raw being more of a sports entertainment show. Yeah. And SmackDown being more of a Raw wrestling show. And it's funny because, like, right now, I can't see AJ Styles on Raw. Mm-hmm. And it's just weird. It's like, it's the same company, but it's just like, it's presented totally differently. Like, I can't see AJ, AJ coming Styles out. got moved to Raw? No, no, I'm saying I can't see it. Oh. Like, <laughs> I was going to say, that would be shocking. Because he's such a SmackDown fixture and just more, he's a wrestler, you know? Like, I don't see AJ coming out every every Monday and doing a promo, you know? It's just, it's just weird. That's like, that's the way it is. But it's the same exact company. Right. They try not to, to, to emphasize that much with the shakeup branding. But when it was the draft, it was very clear that, that SmackDown talent was farmed. Mm-hmm. Like, it they got the skills and their moveset and their reaction like established it was like all right now come to raw we'll give you some storylines and that was definitely the vibe you got that we were watching smackdown on thursday and friday it's i really love wrestling so much mm-hmm. i'll admit two more hours at the end of the week mm-hmm. you know yeah well these all had big consequences for wrestlemania mm-hmm. and that's sort of where we're working to of course every time we're on the road to wrestlemania it's all about that and we get a little blurb too about hulk hogan who they wanted to appear at mania and he was basically like no thanks. Does yeah. that make you feel? Does that make you feel some type of way about Hulk Hogan? <laughs> yeah, Hulk Hogan is one of those guys that I, I know that he is legendary. Um, but ultimately, the WrestleMania 20 was not will not have been better or worse with an appearance of him. Yeah, uh, but I, I do thought it was pretty cool to talk more about how their relationship comes and goes, like like these bitter rivals some days and and best friends the other. Yeah, you know, they're like star-crossed lovers, Mr. McMahon and Hulk Hogan are. You know. Yeah, that was interesting. I've never heard their relationship described that way before. Mm-hmm. As lo- Bruce directly said, love hate. Yeah, for sure. And I just think it's so funny. I know I say this all the time, but when grown men act like little children, like the <laughs> instead of picking up the phone and calling your friend or former boss or whoever yeah. it is yeah. that I'll they have that. to pull the, hey, uh, you, uh, will you call Terry for me? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, That's not on. true. <laughs> <laughs> is that what you guys do if you had a fight? Oh, totally. I'll send text messages. I won't call them. <laughs> no, we'll send the occasional meme. Yeah. You know? You'll lie, bro? Yeah. <laughs> Chris Canyon is someone that we don't hear about a lot. And, and for good reason or just because it ended in tragedy and maybe now there's not much to touch well, on? I mean, it depends in what scenario. I think he would – I mean, it's funny because even on 83 Weeks, we don't really talk about him that much when no. he was more of a WCW fixture. Yeah. Uh, it just He, he, he kind of came and went in WWF. Like, he was just – there for like a second. Yes, he was kind of there in the invasion for like a month. If anything, he was the, he was a U.S. champion and the WWF champion at the same time, mm-hmm. right there during the invasion. And I always thought the world of Chris Canyon. I thought he was amazing, and for whatever reason, they couldn't find anything with him. I always think it's weird how 
Like it's it's essentially they oh you got released because creative ha- creative has nothing for you. Mm-hmm. How big of an oxymoron is that? Create the creative team. Their team is to create has nothing for you. Is that following the talent? Or is that following the creative team? Well, they also Hot want take. you to believe that you're in charge of your own destiny. No, there, of course, and you it can just... you can pitch things and you'll be heard, and those things will be considered. Yeah. And who just knows how true that? Just is. Just don't call yourself the creative team and it's like oh creative's got nothing for you well then how creative are they well that's yeah hot take <laughs> i'm just saying like Very it's just true. weird like and i and, and especially with canyon that that guy can, that guy was so i mean he was called the innovator of offense for a reason like that guy was just crazy good so i think it's a big shame that he was never utilized and i know canyon kind of went into maybe there was some underlying effect on why he wasn't really used yeah i won't get into that but like i mean if that's the case that's that's really sad i'd like to think that's not the case but you know, we'll never know. Yeah, I'm growing up, uh, going to my neighbor's house, watching WWE Saturday Night. You know, every once in a while, I liked the, the Champagne era. I loved him doing canyon cutters <laughs> off screen. That was pretty. Fun. I thought he was amazing as Mortis. <laughs> yeah, I Mort- thought Mortis was Mortis, the bomb. Mortis was pretty cool too. But uh, I feel like there's a lot of guys who have that kind of talent that just tends to disappear. Mm-hmm. And it's, I, I hate, and I hate, and again, maybe this is going to be a one-time thing. Like even when Pritchard kind of always kind of says like. Oh well, you know he he didn't really have the best mic skills. Oh, I'm sorry. Neither did Chris Benoit, but he did he did really good for himself. But he's he always for real. makes him, But he always makes this excuse. And you know, good remember, I love the, the show. I think this show is amazing. But like, he always makes some excuse. Like, oh well, th- this person didn't have mic skills. Oh, he didn't have the best look. Like all these excuses. But it worked for a lot of other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like no. Like just be honest. Like why wasn't Chris Canyon more used? Yeah. Give us the real reason. Don't give us like oh he didn't have the best mic skills. Okay. Like a lot of other people didn't either, but look at look at how they turned out. I, I feel like when you we, are saucy to me. Yeah. I'm just saying. <laughs> I feel like if you have if you're a general manager or whatever the position is of a roster, there's only so many people a person can have the bandwidth to think of. You'll be great here, and because of that, everyone who falls out of that realm are kind of like I don't know what to do with you, bro. And it's a different yeah. time back like then out of too. Sight, out of mind. Different yeah. time back then too, because I always talk about this too. Nobody gets released these days. Like nobody. They hire they hire everyone. Mm-hmm. Back then there was like. Black Friday was like a yearly occurrence on when they, you know, the spring cleaning yeah. releases, you know. Nowadays, it's like, it's just a different time. Maybe it's just, who knows what could have been, but, I mean, mm-hmm. if it was today, I like to think that they would have given somebody like a Canyon more of an opportunity. And there's no one in this room who ever got released, and that is the dang truth. Let's talk Stacey, Lita, and Trish. Playboy wants them. They're not giving in to it. I like how Bruce made this little, you know, Lita had done some kind of stuff, but she didn't want to do this. Mm. Right. If you all haven't read Lita's book, I suggest that uh, that you do so because it's great. It's we a just great about book. Yeah. It's a really, really good book. Oh, yeah? Slobo, <laughs> there's your reading assignment for, book club for, <laughs> for next week. And um, how, I, I love that we get a chance to talk about Bischoff on this show instead because Conrad brought it up. You know, Bischoff pointed out to Stacey Keebler, what would your dad think about Playboy? And so thus she turned it down. Can you imagine that maybe things would have been different for Stacey Keebler yeah. in her career if she had done that? Yeah, maybe if she would have done Playboy, she would have got to go out with George Clooney. <laughs> Oh, that's a good point. You're right. She did okay for herself. She's also, you know, married rich and doesn't have to work now. So yeah, Playboy's one of those things, and it, it is weird because, you know, I'm a guy, so I'm not going to be on the cover of Playboy myself. But <laughs> it's one of those things where you, you've seen both sides. You've seen someone go on the cover of Playboy and move on to bigger and better things. But you've also seen those who had, like, the stunt casting and, and become the cover of Playboy. And it's kind of go into obscurity. And mm-hmm. I can tell if I was Trish, I would say no because the risk was way better to 
way better to not do it than mm-hmm. to do it. Um, but you see, like, you know, Sable did it or, or Tori Wilson did it and do covers. I mean, it was kind of like, okay, what was, there's a lot more upside for, for Sable, I would think. Yeah. A lot more upside for Tori Wilson to do it. I, I, I think I so. disagree. I think there's a lot more upside for them to do it. Like, I mean, I can't even think of a scenario where people, like, there was a downside for somebody who posed for Playboy. You mean well, the stigma or? was minimized back then. But even we like have for other people, like Carmen Electra, Pamela Anderson, Jenny McCarthy, like mm-hmm. they all had pretty good careers for whatever it is that they wanted to do. Yeah. Like maybe not the actress. Olivia Munn did and kept her clothes on. That was kind of a different thing. Yeah, but, but even like Kelly Monaco was that the one yes. that won Dancing with the uh, Second Place thing? Yeah, she did pretty good for for, for whatever it is that she wanted to do. You know, mm-hmm. especially back then, it's like. If you look at people like Sable in China, they left WWE because of whatever things that they issues they had. Sure. Had they would have maybe, you know, still maybe had a good attitude like everybody said they didn't have, mm-hmm. maybe it would have done a lot better. Like, you know, Tori Wilson or even like a Candice Michelle. Uh, Chrissy yeah. Hemi was well, on the cover too. Hmm? Chrissy Hemi? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> no, just, we're talking about like, like, and you know Hall what I, I gotta, guarantee you she's Christy? very glad like, oh, wait, that what? she has those pictures now that she's had eight babies <laughs> or whatever I'm sure she's very uh, she's very happy to have that hang on the wall <laughs> that's your mom right there uh, just saying okay this all kind of leads to also we before we talk about the pay-per-view we have to talk about this new style of wrestling supposedly that WWE was pushing this isn't the first we've heard of it of course the intention is sort of to be a little safer, work safer, but it is essentially a slower style with more selling. Can you guys remember this time, being such rabid fans, did you notice anything changing about the style? Nope. Really? No, I didn't notice at all. You're such a little I think smart. It, I know you were a really smart didn't ass notice. at that age, I George Rosa. I really didn't notice. So I, I felt like this, the, the slowing down and selling is important, but it gets bundled in with, oh, the PG era, it's got watered down. <laughs> because the Attitude Era, you had no Shane McMahon doing the 40-foot jumps off of Titan Tron and Superstructure, yeah. and that didn't happen as much. But there was a transition, at least for me, as I got older then, I was like a still a teenager-ish there, um, trying to like find other things about the about the craft that I enjoyed. Yeah. But I got into it seeing like the hardcore matches that went on for like hours and hours of jacked and metal and like just crash high going through slides and things like that. But I wasn't there anymore, right? So mm-hmm. I can see that being like a, a noted change with the branding of the, the E and then making sure things are safer. I, mm-hmm. I didn't notice just because I, th- I always thought that they were more about the characters anyway. Because like this was during a time where TNA and Ring of Honor were kind of picking up some steam. Yeah. And they were doing that you know, fast paced style, and I always thought that WWE they they kind of moved away from that. So that's why I didn't never even notice them even slowing down because I thought it was slow enough to begin with. Okay, if you thought it was slow to begin with, sure. Yeah, yeah I, I, I didn't. <laughs> that's why I didn't notice a difference. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. Well, we do get one more. We have to <laughs> mention this Brutus the Barber Beefcake story thing because we're just getting rolling on this show. We're, what, maybe like f- three, four episodes in now. And we wanted to sort of get our footing before we started inviting guests to call in. And I I really wanted to reach out to Brutus and ask him to call in and tell the story. But I don't know that that's how we want to <laughs> kick off our, uh, our something to wrestle after guest spots here. <laughs> so maybe if we get another... If if I get another opportunity with Brutus someday in the future, I'm definitely going to ask him um, about that. Because oh, I'm yeah. sure he would just love to <laughs> chat about getting caught with Coke and everyone thinking it anthrax. Right. I mean, Which was a, more embarrassing. you can't make that that's shit up. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. That's That's Coke. Trust me. Yeah. That's a- <laughs> We're cool, right? <laughs> <laughs> All 
right, guys, let's go to 2004, almost exactly 15 years ago, to the day, to this sold-out pay-per-view, which was a wild success monetarily, made tons of money. Everybody is sort of salivating to see the main event, Eddie Guerrero. He had this promo on SmackDown before this. Do you guys, does that stand out in your minds, mm-hmm. this, yeah. this specific promo? Yeah. Yeah. I would say that that was the reestablishment of Eddie. And we talked about this in another episode because they were doing the whole thing with Chavo and, and, and Chavo Classic. No, I think he was still Chavo Senior at the time. Uh, and it was like, okay, it's great. You could tell it was kind of towards the end. But we primed Eddie. We saw the crowd response. Here is really his story. Here is someone you can you can describe Eddie Guerrero to someone who didn't know wrestling. Why should I tune into this guy? Yeah. Because of the, the things he was was challenging him, how he overcome those obstacles. So that to me was like them saying, "You are a star and waiting." Mm-hmm. Do you guys agree with Bruce? That was Eddie's best promo ever. From yeah, the heart. one of his best. Yeah. yeah. I just think it's so okay. So hear me out. Hear me out. All right. Okay. Okay. Yeah, a little, little hot scenario. Take. Yeah. Hot, no, 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 hot take. But we'll, we'll see. So. I, so he hit rock bottom, right? Mm-hmm. Like he got fired. He he lost out his wife. He lost his kids. Like he, you know, was a drunk. Like DUI. Like all these bad things, right? Mm-hmm. Like had he would have never gone through that. I always wondered if he'd be in that scenario in the main event scene in 2004 because you know you get released and then you get hired back, you know, and then all eyes are on you, making sure you don't mess up again, making sure that you're on your toes. Okay. And I really think because all eyes were on him, they were watching him with binoculars. They got to really see how good Eddie Guerrero was, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to let's say he never went through that. One, the storyline wouldn't have been there as far as being an addict. Yeah. Two. Like, maybe he just would have been that, you know, run-of-the-mill coasting. That Maybe that's where they saw him as. Just yeah. like a mid-carter. Because they were like, oh, yeah, it's Eddie. You know, we know he's going to put on a good match. As opposed to, wow, now that we're watching Eddie, he really is that good. Again, we'll never know. I like to think that he would have been a main event regardless. That's like the whole, like, Austin, like, if the curtain call never happened, what Austin would have been? Because he never would have had the promo. Like, we'll just never know. Yeah. I like to think that some of these guys are so good that no matter what, they would have ended up being a main event. I just think that's crazy how life turns out sometimes where it's like, if that would have never happened, then this would have never happened. Mm-hmm. Well, Bruce himself sort of seemed to kind of repeat that sentiment, and he thought that that was Eddie's biggest and best selling point. And the reason why he was so popular and was able to get over with everyone were, was because he was honest about yeah. what he'd been through before. Yeah, just imagine sure. he never did. He was like a clean-cut guy, you know? Like, who mm-hmm. knows? Yeah, we'll I, I guess you know, taking into the modern times when they released Jinder Mahal, for example, and they brought him back and they uh-huh. gave him the championship. He it was very similar in that they were looking at him and seeing how he's improved, but he uh-huh. didn't quite have the same story as well. And I don't think uh-huh. I never connected as much with the fan. Not to compare Jinder Mahal with Eddie Guerrero, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. I feel like that wasn't a connection yeah. as much there. I mean, I'll have more to say when we cover the actual match, but yeah, I mean, I I just think that's like crazy how so many things happen in real life that like if that never happened, then. Who knows what would have happened instead? Yeah. yeah, I was on the bus when Jinder got that that call from uh, Vince. By the way, oh, at, they, at Mania that day that he was going to win, it was the whole thing. Oh, nice. Oh yeah. Well, well, piece of history there for you. <laughs> um, let's talk of the history of this opening tag match. Bruce is really not into women and men wrestling each other. Talked I about it last week with China. I agree. I think there's a, there's a space for that in wrestling, but like in this pay per view specifically, I was not a fan. <laughs> like I know we're jumping the gun a bit, but in these two uh, uh, intergender like instances, I was kind of like a bad taste in my mouth. I, I think like, it was just more Shaniqua because she was kind of like a cough in the history. You blaming Shaniqua? I'm blaming Shaniqua. Okay. Because especially like I was like a year after Tough Enough too. Yeah. Where it's like 
everybody thought like everybody okay n- 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 they never announced that the the, the mm-hmm. winners of the tough enough are going to be a man or not going to be a man and a woman everybody thought it's going to be one man it's going to be one woman woman so it's like for like everybody to kind of like see that happening it's like everybody already kind of had a like they give Michael Cole bad rap, which I'll go into a little bit at the end of the show. Uh, like they saw Linda Miles, it's like, oh well, she won tough enough when she wasn't supposed to, mm-hmm. and I feel like that's though she always had that negative stigma when it came to to to, to wrestling in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also a dominatrix named Shaniqua, but that's not the <laughs> issue altogether. <laughs> well, it worked according to Bruce in the boyfriend girlfriend match between sure. Jamie Noble and Nidia. Nidia. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> I mean. Okay, yeah. Jamie Noble is not a guy we hear about a lot, except for that one time when he got stabbed at his own trailer park or whatever. Yeah. Not a guy who's on the radar a whole lot anymore these days, but he is behind the scenes working mm-hmm. hard, and we know that he's been d- detrimental in some storylines mm-hmm. of the past few years. Sure. But to really hear Bruce put him over as a guy who's so uh, smart with in-ring psychology and, and storytelling, is that... Did you guys know that about Jamie Noble? Like, is he... If you're thinking about someone I want to put my match together, yeah. I'd go to Jamie Noble. Absolutely. I know that now, yeah, no, no, absolutely not. Maybe no. like in the last two years or so, but yeah, back then I would have never, I would have never realized how good he was. Mm-hmm. Up, up until about about the same time, uh, I I best know Jamie Noble for that same promo they would run about Sheamus when he goes, "I ended careers," and then when you like beat Noble and he had to retire. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I, I didn't have much there as a footnote there, but like I mean, seeing it now, seeing the match and rewatching it, yeah, you can definitely tell there was a story there and it was made. Something better than what that was on paper, right? Wear this yeah. hood and, and, and feel around for a couple of bits. Mm-hmm. I hated the finish, but that's just, yeah, that's my hot take. <laughs> <laughs> we will take it. Yeah. We will take your hot take. Well, they sort of brushed over a lot of these beginning matches, said, oh, the APA match, yeah, that was fun. We were starting to split them up. It sometimes is annoying to me when they're starting to set up a tag team breaking up. But the way that it was done with APA and even sort of the little subtleties, the nuances in this match, I guess Bruce has also sometimes said that things are too subtle. No, I'm sorry, that's Bischoff. Says things can be too subtle. What did you think about this APA kind of teasing the breakup at the end of this? I mean, we should have kind of saw it because, I mean, JBO, uh, like in 2000 and 2003, he uh, he was out with an injury for like a good amount of time. Yeah. When he came back from injury, he came back with a short hair, clean shaven. Because before that, he had the long hair, black goatee. You know, it's like he comes back and like, wait, that's JBL. That's Sh- Bradshaw. Sean Black. It was you know? so, Black. So we should have saw it coming. We <laughs> should have saw it coming. Like, are they going to do a gimmick change? I would have never have thought that that would have been. He would have been whatever he would he ended up becoming. Yeah. But you know, I mean, in hindsight, I guess we can't really fault them for the breakup. Even though at the time I was like, they're breaking up APA. Like, I love APA. Yeah. yeah. Uh, again, uh, seeing it now, and I was a big JBL fan uh, during the mid-2000s, uh, it was it was fine. But I remember when they did turn, it was like, really? Like, the, the heart and soul was being ripped apart because yeah. you needed those bruisers that could just come down and beat your faces or heels them yeah. in a night, just beat up people or whatever. And, yeah. Yeah, it was kind of the beginning of the end there. Mm-hmm. Well, we also get this, uh, according to Bruce Effing, awesome cruiserweight match. And he points out that the WCW cruiserweights definitely push the crash style. And they're trying to... I'm not even going to finish because I can tell that you have something to say about this. this Go, Joe Can Tremosa. I say the P word? Sure. This pissed me off okay. so much. Okay, oh, like, oh, here like, we go. Okay, okay, again, I love Pritchard. <laughs> I think he's awesome. But like, th- when he says things like this, okay, you're clearly a shill. 
Okay, because like, yeah, of course, if you have Rey Mysterio and Chavo Guerrero in a match like this, it's going to be awesome. But when you're not Rey Mysterio and Chavo Guerrero, you kind of have to do the crash out to get noticed because that's what Rey did mm-hmm. in, you know, 96, 97. So it's easy to say like, well, in WWF, it's like this, but in WCW, you know, that's the wrong way to do it. Yeah, when you're when you're not Rey Mysterio, it's like, yeah, it's easy to say that when you're Rey Mysterio in the match. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're when you're established, when you're developed, when you have a good 10, 15 years uh, in the business. When you're growing up, like it's easy to say that. So it's like for him to crap on WCW cruiserweights. I mean that that's like, dude. Like it's very clear that you're just a WWE shill. Yeah, it was. Uh, I doesn't agree with you 100. percent There's a little tense, uh, but I do felt like uh, again someone who was more WWF centric growing up, going into WCW. There was a lot of talent there, but a lot of difficult for me to tell them apart. Like my my. My thing when it comes to our character is can I describe that character to somebody else who can't see the show? Mm-hmm. And a lot of those guys kind of run together. But there is a bit of that thing to your point where if you're getting established and you're on the stage but no one knows where you are, you can't come out there and do rest holes and be like, where's my where's my t-shirt deal? Like mm-hmm. it's You got to do something to be noticed, whether it's like wear jackets or wear special moves or, or even having a cool valet or something to stick out. Mm-hmm. So. That's a good point, guys. And uh, thank you for uh, bearing your heart and soul there. Do you hear him? <laughs> All right, we get a lot of talk about the Chavo Sr., the whole family, Bruce's relationship with them. I just love to hear about the real stuff with these guys. You know, like these, they were really friends. He calls them family and and brothers. That's pretty special. Yeah. I don't know. I, I wonder if the talent nowadays would say the same thing. Like, I wonder if they feel the same way about the people that they work with every day. You mean like talent or like more management? Well, really, I mean, anyone who's working behind the scenes. Do people feel they can trust? Do they feel that they are close to people? You know, now there's two brands and maybe everyone doesn't yeah. see each other all the time. I just, I I don't know that you hear about these kind of close-knit relationships I, we, as much we nowadays. We don't, but we didn't hear about that back then either. So I think okay. it mostly comes out maybe down the road. Because, like, I'm even now, like, who's somebody that would be in that Pritchard role Mm -hmm. Um, that's kind of like there with, cause it's a different time now. Now it's like 30 people in a meeting as opposed to back then. We maybe, maybe it was like a handful, you know? Um, and obviously Pritchard kind of being from that Houston area and growing up in Houston wrestling, like he had the opportunity to get close with the Guerreros because obviously that Houston connection or that Texas connection, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah, the business has changed quite a bit. I think there's always going to be camaraderie. It's almost like civilians are yeah. not being in it. But I, I, again, I'm not even inside. But like I, I think it's on. one of those where it's like maybe you take maybe you take for granted in some ways because like you know when you're there, it's like oh hey, I just saw you a couple of days ago. But like let's say if you see each other in the airport randomly, it's like oh hey, you know you'll make it a point to be like hey, hey, what's up? How are you? You know. Yeah. Sure. Well, I think uh, maybe any other night of the week, any other pay-per-view, this match would have been the main event. John Cena versus Kurt Angle and the big show for this um, WrestleMania spot. Bruce says this just made sense. It was logical storytelling. Mm -hmm. He liked Cena's little rap there. Did you guys look at this match any differently nowadays seeing it? Back, oh, I did. He tapped out. I forgot he tapped out. <laughs> it's been so long since he tapped out. I was like, oh yeah, uh, which is kind of a big deal. It's kind of a big deal. Like, you know, triple threats. You always have that one spoiler person you're in there. You think, will they do it? Will they not? And you can tell that Cena had charisma that was oozing down, like from left his pores mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And the, the fans were into him. And even though his rhymes weren't the greatest, but it was definitely <laughs> really? edgy for the time. I thought he was awesome. It's just very very slow. <laughs> you know, it's like oh, <laughs> it's wrestling. You have to make sure that everybody can you know catch up. All right. <laughs> Want to do our truth? What the? Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Okay, it is time 
Oh, God. I almost just said, are you guys ready for the main event of the night? Yeah! Yeah! Cow Palace. (laughs) All right, there. We went went full WWE for you. You guys are ready. Let's talk about the heavyweight championship match. This is, of course, between Eddie Guerrero and Brock Lesnar. Brock is on his way out at this time. He's going to fly out on his own plane that WWE (laughs) helped pay for, which Bruce kind of justified and and made sense. Um, But this... Obviously, a huge win for Eddie, duh. Mm-hmm. But the whole thing just meant a lot. What was it about? What was there anything that Bruce said that surprised you, or was new, or was interesting, or is this just an homage? I was surprised how, according to him, how much he supported Eddie. Right? Yeah. I, I, I thought that he was like finally off with them, but he was like, "No, I was pushing for him, and you really can't call him the Mexican this. He's a star." Which is weird because an hour earlier he called him the Mexican star Michael. So I didn't know what the terminology yeah. oh, was. Catch. So I was like, "All right, whatever, bro." But yeah. that's what I learned the most from that match. That he was a big fan. So. Mm-hmm. I know going back, and I was thinking about it. Um, you know, where was I when that happened? This is pre-network to this 2004. This is almost 10 years to the date before the network. Mm-hmm. So I did not watch this pay-per-view live. Did you watch it live? No, I didn't. I didn't watch it live. So I would always go, you know, later that night, see one. I'm not going to lie. I had zero, like I had no, like I did not think he was going to win. Yeah. Didn't think he was going to win at all. Like zero chance, right? I was like, yeah. oh, it's going to be Goldberg and Brock for the title at WrestleMania, et cetera, et cetera. Or Goldberg and, or Brock, whoever, Kurt, whoever, you know? Yeah. Um, so like I'm looking down, like reading and reading. Okay, so this person, what? What? Anyone? No way! Like yeah. that's all. Like, I, I, I did not think at all he was going to win. You got to realize this is the days, be- the days before Brock skipped leg day. Like he was a stud. <laughs> there was no yeah, yeah. chance. And this winning. was before anybody knew that he was leaving. Right. This wasn't like, oh, we heard he's leaving. I don't know who's going to drop the boat yet. Like I had no idea. I thought yeah. he was a future star for like the next five, six, or sixteen years. Yeah, for sure. You know, I had no idea he was going to win. So for for me to see that he won, and then eventually for me to watch it back, because I remember buying the No Way Out 2004 DVD right. with Eddie on the cover and I, I i man like i saw this match and it was like just man the best do you do you see a different brock there than you do oh yeah mm-hmm. absolutely what what's uh he wrestled like he wasn't oh. no, no 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 i mean he wrestled now but like he's not the mma guy you know turned wrestler he's right. he was a pro wrestler back then right. so still makes for great matches but oh, he yeah. was just like he did everything back then like he did Everything in, in the book and everything. Brock Brock was younger. He emoted a little bit more, so you know mm-hmm. what he was feeling psychology wise, and he didn't have a mouthpiece as, as much as Paul Heyman now. So he definitely had to do most of his heavy lifting. Um, but on, but the Eddie side, the match was great, but I didn't realize how much of a star he was until watching his entrance again. Now mm-hmm. having the crowd with them, ha- the low rider coming out, doing a little shimmy shake, it yeah. was like this was a star in the making. If he wasn't a star already, mm-hmm. and that to me was great. And those two clash pretty well because Brock sold for Eddie and Eddie sold for Brock and it felt like he maybe he was going to win and it turns out that Eddie did. So. Bruce points out that uh, Brock is maybe even better when working with a smaller guy. I, I think, think you could so. say that yeah. and oh, still yeah. to this I mean, day. I would rather watch like Brock versus Eddie or AJ or Daniel Bryan or Finn Balor than watching Brock versus Braun Strowman or oh, oh, yeah. Big Show or Kane or whatever. It's like no disrespect to any of those guys, but like I just think that those make for much better matches for both guys. Sure, because to, to make that opponent believable there has to be an added story element you can't just be like here are two beasts like I remember when Balor took on Brock the whole the the stomach injury thing was Mm -hmm. added into it which made it more entertaining for me to watch but you see Brock sell which is something you don't usually see in these like giant massive titan behemoth matches you know yeah 
And it apparently brought a tear to everyone's eye backstage. Did Bruce say Vince was even crying, yeah. I think? Mm-hmm. Said he was crying? Everybody's crying. And, and, and honestly, I'm not going to lie. Even watching watching it now as well. But like just watching it back then, even before he passed away, mm-hmm. it brought a tear to my eye. Like It was really emotional. Like His mom was crying in the front row. Yeah. Like His brother was there. And obviously, like Chavo and Chavo Guerrero uh, Jr. were backstage. They were heels, you know, so they, they didn't come out to, to celebrate them and whatnot. But, you know, they were happy. And I was kind of going over Eddie's book, he was saying that him and Chavo Sr. never had, like, the best relationship, that he was always kind of looking for his older brother for, like, approval to, like, make sure that, you know, that he's one of them, one of the boys. So, knowing that Eddie was able to get his older brother's approval for, you know, after all those years, you know, yeah. also meant a lot to him, too, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It was a, a, a nice time for that. But then, you didn't think it was going to happen for sure, but it was a no way out, which is almost, that February pay-per-view was almost notorious for nothing. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, over, it was kind of like, nothing against Eddie, but it was like, ah, whatever. You can skip that one. Oh, you can't? Oh, snap. And <laughs> especially, like, the, the crowd reaction hearing about it, too, where, like, like I guess, like, it was maybe 75% sold out yeah. the day of, and then, like, you know, by the show starting it was sold out. Yes. Most of them from, you know, a lot of Mexican-American population kind of coming in just to see Eddie. That one entrance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One entrance in the entire arena. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that covers No Way Out 2004. Oh, can I say one more thing? Sorry. Yeah, I ahead. totally just interrupted you. No, I should uh, ask you. And just because, like, we were talking about the whole show in general. And I don't care what anybody says. Everybody gives slack on Michael Cole. And if anybody, someone in the chat literally just said one of Michael Cole's best oh, commentary my, moments. You stole my mojo because um, I've been praising Michael Cole for a while, and, and again, everybody's going to say, "Well, it's not. It's because he didn't have Vince in his ears." So you're saying, so you're, so you're acknowledging that he's really, really good. You know what I mean? Everybody's According to Cole, he's never not had Vince in his ear. <laughs> well, I mean, like in, in general, like sometimes he had, you know, when they're overseas or for the right. main classic. But like in this case scenario, Vince or not, I think this is one of Michael Cole's finest performances. Just that whole like last three minutes of like Goldberg coming in and Brock kicking out. And I like the fact that that even though Goldberg came in and speared Brock, mm. that that's not how Eddie won. You know, mm-hmm, right. Brock still had a chance to kick out and say his move and whatnot. So I just, the, but the whole structure of it, uh, Guerrero and my, again, Michael Cole, one of his best performances that he's ever had for Solid. the for the whole show, more so the main event. Solid. All yeah. right, anytime we can take time out and praise Michael Cole, just woo, love it. And now it is time for what we're going to call something to wrestle with today. This is where we take one of the issues that they brought up during the show and we talk about how it pertains to pro wrestling. And this time we just have a couple minutes left, so we'll keep this short. But Bruce brought up at one point with OVW and this idea that wrestlers know there are some schools that have the big boy's eyes, or however he put it. Nowadays, you could go to a lot of wrestling schools, and a lot of veterans have schools, but you know there are some where people get pulled from and get seen for tryouts and things like that. Jerry Briscoe is always out talking to people. Is there an ethical issue with something like that? George, you are a wrestler in training, and you do train at Brian Kendrick's school. I hope you don't mind me um, revealing that. Okay. (laughs) So what do you think about the ethics of this idea that, you know, some schools are basically almost sort of sanctioned by WWE unofficially? I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's just just show business. It's just the way it is. You know, it's it's just the the same reason why maybe somebody may get get hired for their looks alone. Welcome to the wrestling business. Okay. As long as it's not guaranteed, pay me this fee, I'll get you a talk with an interview with McMahon. I think it's pretty much fine. But I will say this stepping back to it, I think that's the difference between great promotions like the WWE 
compete and ones that are on that level that fail. Like mm-hmm. c- creating and crafting a way to funnel in new talent, I think is super important. Whether it's their own by NXT or working relationships with other promotions, it's kind of like necessary because you can't sign all your superstars and waste budget. You gotta like have some homegrown talent as well. So yes, yeah. that I is just that the too. kind of yeah. uh, succinct opinion-based conversation that I thought we would have about that. Go ahead. No, no, I, I, I agree. It just I, I think for every for every Owens and Sami Zayn and Ricochet you may have, you need a Roman Reigns and on the roster. You need a, a Braun Strowman like on the roster to like. You can't have just nothing but indie guys, but you also can't have a lot of homegrown guys. It's all about balance. You have to find a fine balance. And even NXT, where like you look at everybody that they signed: Keith Lee, Ricochet, uh, Adam Cole, Matt Riddle. Uh, the best guy there is Velveteen Dream. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, and he's a, he's as homegrown as it gets. Yeah, he's like 23. Yeah. yeah, yeah. there are people who come to tryouts having never stepped in a wrestling ring before, and some of them are on the main roster. Mm-hmm. There are some that have been watching since infancy and have been training since they were teenagers who uh, are there as well. Yeah. Wow, that was so deep, guys. <laughs> My more thoughts from at Christy Reports. If they want to hit you guys up and get your thoughts on other things, sure. where would our, our great fans do that at, boys? Well, I am at, at Boys on Twitter, at FloBito on Instagram, and at FloBito.com. That's F-L-O-B-I-T-O.com. Right. Regardless of what I've said, I'm really a fan of the show. I think it's a great show. <laughs> it just there are some things where it's like, dude, that's total BS, Bruce. Like, I get what you're doing. You're still awesome, though. Uh, nice meeting you, by the way, in LA. Uh, G Hermosa, G H E R M O Z A. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, all the above. This Friday, the Roasting Pro Wrestling. This Friday at the Burbank Moose Lodge, uh, or you can watch it on like Twitch or YouTube, like a week oh, later. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's awesome. Yeah. awesome. Well, I'm gonna come live and hang out with you. Come no, you should. Up. And you guys can always hit me up at Christy Reports. Remember, we also do After 83 Weeks, where we have a special Q&A every single week with Eric Bischoff. You can find that on the 83 Weeks channel. Make sure you hit subscribe, give us a little thumbs up, and we will see you next week to talk Undertaker 04 to 06. It's going to be good. It's see you then. Rib. <laughs> Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. (laughs) The views expressed herein are those of the host only, not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.